listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the Rainmaking Podcast. For context, this show today was filmed in June of 2020, at the peak of the COVID crisis. Our guest today is a close friend of mine. Her name is Susan Freeman, and she's a consultant and a speaker that speaks on topics of client development, diversity and gender issues to law firms and professional services firms. Susan is a leader in the fight to help women in business communicate effectively with the world and to help men communicate effectively with women in business. In her work with clients and as a public speaker, she draws on her experiences as a sales executive in the financial services industry, a business developer and leader in the legal industry, and her graduate level studies in communications. And today, we're going to be talking about communication. I hope you get some great ideas and value out of today's show. I've got with me on the show today, a good friend of mine, Susan Freeman. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Susan. I'm super excited to be here, Scott. I miss you. We're stuck in this COVID-19 shelter place, so it's a nice time to connect. It is. And I know that there's some people that are having a tough time out there. And, you know, we've talked about stuff like this offline before. And for those that you don't know, Susan's a close friend of mine. I was a master of ceremonies at a conference that she did before. Going to be doing some other stuff with her. She's one of my favorite people in the world. She's really helped me out in terms of expanding my network. And she's got a lot of rock solid content that I think is going to help you in your job of being a rainmaker. So, Susan, kind of tell us about yourself before we go into our topic here of client conversations. Tell us about your journey. I know you've had a, a circuitous route to where you've gotten today. What, what are the things that you've done and what you're currently doing within your business? Nice, nice question. So, I'll pretend you want me to keep this all about my professional life, and I'll go that route. (laughs) So actually, I started out in business development and marketing in financial services, Mm -hmm. and I left marketing and went into business development, noting there's a huge difference, one which most professionals don't recognize still today, but there's a huge difference between marketing, you know, building your reputation, and business development, building your relationships that bring in new business. So I saw what the salespeople were doing, how they were doing it, and had a big frowny face for so long. I was like, (laughs) you know, they're not listening. They're pushing, they're pitching, they're talking all about themselves and their products and solutions and services. And remember, this was in the 90s in financial services when things were booming and lots of money was being made. And It was before the crash of 2008. So it was a good time to, you know, engage in what's called relationship selling or consultative selling. Mm -hmm. So I took that approach and I became what was known as an outlier. The way that I sold was very different from the rest of the sales team. And I was one woman on a team of full of men and I was successful. They were like, what is she doing? And no, it wasn't any magic, you know, it was, it was called listening. It was called third level listening to the clients and prospects. So I have been involved in relationship selling for many, many years. After I had to leave that position and move from Boston to Baton Rouge, I found there was nothing like it there. In fact, people were like, what is consultative? And I'm like, consultative (laughs) selling. Yeah. They'd never heard of it before. It was a tongue twister. And there certainly wasn't any major financial services operations happening out of Baton Rouge at the time. 
So what I did was I stepped down the ladder quite a few rungs and stepped over to marketing once again. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I ended up in outbound marketing, which we know we don't engage in anymore. If you're good at what you do and you're progressive and you care about your clients, you're involved in inbound marketing now. And tell but us the was- difference. What's the difference between those two? Oh, great question. So back in the day, outbound marketing was when you would talk all about yourself, your company, your product, your service, your solution, if it was technology. You would hire ad agencies. They would you know, place ads, put up billboards, whatever your medium. You would have various channels to share your content. But your content was always about you rather than inbound marketing which made a huge shift because of the birth of social media. Mm -hmm. We are now able to understand our clients' needs, preferences, wants, how they communicate, what they want to hear from you, what problems they have, and how you can possibly solve them. If you listen, they will tell you. If you listen, you will reveal and unveil latent needs they may not even know they have. But outbound marketing was all about talking inbound marketing is all about listening. Does right. that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. I love that. I love, I love that. It's, it's easy. I can understand it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Scott, you're a genius. You just pretend not to be, but I'll say this. <laughs> the Dalai Lama once said, if we do all the talking, we deny ourselves an opportunity to learn something new. So I keep that in mind when I'm with prospects and clients. And I listen carefully to what they're saying and what they're not saying. And then I'm able to frame my narrative around what's most important to them in the language they prefer. So that's what's beneficial about inbound marketing. But frankly, when I went to work this now what was legal services, out of financial services and into legal services, it really was mostly outbound marketing at the time. We didn't have social media. People were afraid, especially lawyers, were afraid to use the internet, much less put anything out there. I know that still is the case today in some law firms and with some lawyers. They're just afraid to put something out there. And they really need to learn how to use social media to their advantage because it can help them to listen more readily and efficiently and in a meaningful way to their clients. You know, it's not about just you and your firm and your practice, even for engineers, CPAs, others in professional services. It's never about you and what you do. It's always about the client and what his or her needs might be. Absolutely right. And one thing, let me kind of stop you there. And and one thing you mentioned earlier when you talked about going from marketing to business development, you said business development is building your relationships that bring in business. Is that how you define that? Well, I think that it's about relationships, but it's also about relationships that matter to the other. You can't promise someone that you're going to be all things to them. You need to find out. Let's say, for example, you're an executive at a company. You have a list of 20 things on your desk every day that you need to address. But there are only about one, two, or three of those things that you would cut a check over, fire someone, or hire someone, like truly compelling action items. If you question the proper way and you listen in a meaningful way, you will uncover those top three things that are most compelling or important to that person. And when you do that, you raise your value. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll share a little quote that I use. In my yeah, yeah, tell me about that. And then I've got yeah. some other questions here for you too about this. This is really intriguing to me. Yeah, sure, sure. So when asked what builds trust and credibility early in a relationship with this CEO of a $12 billion company, 
He said, I can always tell how experienced and insightful a prospective lawyer is by the quality of the questions he asks and how intently he listens to my answers. That's just how simple it is. So that's what I mean in a nutshell when I say relationship selling, consultative selling, listening, third level listening. You know, that's funny, Susan, because I used to have a training company where I would train recruiters about client development. And one of my quotes, I would teach them, I said that they're making a judgment about you based on the quality of questions that you have. So when I got into legal recruiting, I found I got to advance pretty far in my relationships and the quality and the depth of them with senior level executives in these big firms. And someone asked me, why is that? I said, well, I just don't know what I'm doing. So I'm asking a lot of questions and that's it. You know? Exactly. And when you ask questions, you, you don't have to know a lot. You just have to know how to ask those questions. So, so let me ask you this question then, when, what, with what you mentioned about the relationship selling process, how do we break this down? How do we break down the whole relationship selling process as you describe that? Sure, sure. Well, I can give you a few steps, but I would also like to, let's add to those once, once I share with you a few steps that I think are important. So first of all, obviously you have to make the contact. You want to demonstrate interest, which is what you precisely did, Scott, by asking questions. You right. want to demonstrate a certain level of expertise, but be very careful of, about that because if you're so involved in showing what an expert you are, you're giving the message that there's no room for you to learn something new. Right. So oh, be that's very a good careful. Point. That's a good yeah. point. Identifying the person sitting across from you's real needs, like what's mm-hmm. most important to her, what moves her, what keeps her up at night, and be able to ask questions in such a way that you've developed trust and credibility so that she'll answer you honestly. And let me ask you, what are some examples of that? How, how have you seen that in a meeting? How have you done that in your client development expert experience? Well, I'll tell you, the process I usually engage in would include something like this. Instead of telling them about me or what I can do for general clients or what I have done in the past for other clients, I ask those thought-provoking questions. Instead of being the expert, I invite them to contribute their expertise. And it's at that point where I draw out others' experiences. When she's telling me her story, how she got to where she is, where she wants to be, just like what you're doing with me right now, Scott, Mm -hmm. um, I ask her, what are her objectives and goals? Then I can recognize that path. And I may know something that will prevent her from getting there. That's very valuable information, I'd say. I may know something that can get her there more efficiently, more quickly, or for less money. Those are also valuable things to know. So by drawing out her experiences and asking about her intended meaning of certain words that she might use, rather than just assuming I know what she means, Mm -hmm. I can solicit solutions from her and then frame my own narrative around how I partner with her to solve her own problems or meet her own challenges rather than my being the expert and she needs to listen to what I'm telling her because right. eight other large companies or you know people in her industry have done so. I let my clients show how smart they are. And when I do that, I create a safe space for them to also share their vulnerabilities, their concerns. Mm-hmm. And that's when I know I've developed a trusted advisor status with them or a relationship with them where they can, you know, join me in looking at their bigger picture and join me in solving their own problems. You know, instead of my doing it for them or they're doing it alone, we do it together. 
So let me ask you then, when you're talking about these vulnerabilities, what are examples of that that a professional would hear in that meeting? Is it something like, I'm afraid people are talking about me behind my back when I leave the room or, or professional vulnerabilities? What, what are some of the things that you've heard in your experience of (laughs) (laughs) kind of joking when I, when I say that other one, but I have to say though, there are a lot of C-suite people who do fear that, but one of the greatest lessons in life we can learn, whatever suite you sit in is that other people's opinions of you is none of your business. Be your highest and best self, be open, honest, and direct, and let the chips fall where they may. That's right. Um, You know, when you're a good person doing great things, if someone doesn't like that or take well to that, the problem's with them and not you. You're absolutely right. You're yeah. absolutely right. And we won't even get into Facebook, okay? We won't even talk about <laughs> You know, it's so- funny you say that because I put everything out there on Facebook. <laughs> my husband, so my husband's a political official and he's very private. He keeps, I mean, like, I'm like, what do you have to hide? You know, and he's like, that's just not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not hiding. I'm just not. Like if you, he's more of an I and I'm more of an E. So I'm like, we share pains with others. We share pleasures with others. We share challenges that others have as well. And when you share your vulnerabilities, you give them permission to be real as well. And he's like, well, you go do that. That's your job, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) So so let's talk about this. Give me an example. You've got a professional, whether it's somebody selling consulting services, accounting, finance, wealth management, they're in an office or they're on the phone, they're doing a Zoom with a referral. Here's a prospect. Everything's teed up. You worked with that person's best man at his wedding, and now you're on the cusp of signing him on the line for getting a new new amount of business, whatever that is. And what are you looking for them to do in terms of vulnerabilities? Are you looking for them to reveal inadequacies? What, what are some things that you've seen? Well, you use the word inadequacies, which is a powerful word that I find a lot of men are reluctant to use, but it is a perfect example of how one might reveal to you things that you can't find in their 10K or on their website or in the, you know, the report from the shareholder meeting. When they share that with you, that's a sign that they trust you to help work with them to solve their problem or better yet, prevent their problem. And I'm going to throw a little gender-based communications in here. Men are traditionally less comfortable with revealing vulnerability and asking questions and creating a story around their situation than women are. Men like to ask yes, no questions. They like to go in knowing the answer. And if they don't know an answer, they don't want to ask that question and be seen as unknowing or ill-prepared. Whereas clients generally, especially in the C-suite, appreciate when you ask about them. Tell me your journey. Tell me what you're trying to achieve. What is it that's getting you there or not? And let's talk about how I can help get you where you need to be. Right. So I think the key is to strategize and present information in a way that addresses their questions and concerns before you even ask to partner with them or go into business with them as a with them as your client. So in terms of goals that you have what are the goals that you should have in advance of making the contacts with the prospect? Is that, is that the goal that you want? You want to get them to be vulnerable, to share those, and then you can advance that relationship forward? Well, that's a great question. I'll tell you, for those who are taking notes, and if you're not, get a pencil or a pen and do. because Unless you're driving. Well, Here's your disclaimer. <laughs> unless you're driving. <laughs> Replay this later. But your goals are really to establish credibility and trustworthiness. 
Okay. To obtain required information by getting them to speak openly to you. Hold on a second. Okay, uh, credibility, trustworthiness, and then what was the other part you said? Yeah, you want to obtain the required information by getting them to speak openly to you. And then once you do that, this is a critical step that a lot of people miss. Once you do that, listen carefully and communicate clearly so that they hear you and you are understood. So you want to be heard and understood. Right. And that means you have to listen to how they present themselves. The last thing that I think about when I think of goals in this is the most important thing. Isn't this the ultimate goal? It's not just to get a new matter or win a sale or close a deal. That's not your ultimate goal. And people on the, what? On the call are, Heresy. yeah, exactly. They're going, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? No. So it's one thing to have a satisfied client, but it's a whole nother level of greatness when you have a loyal client who will then refer you, align their own reputation with you and your work. So your ultimate goal is to influence decision makers positively such that they become loyal clients. Wow, that's great. I love that. And that happened to me today, a candidate who I didn't place, I've kept in touch with, we became friendly. I've got a potential future colleague that would be perfect for his firm. I've never worked with his firm but he allowed me to use his name when I reached out to the firm's managing partner. And that is awesome. Yeah. And just when it was his idea and uh, he's, well, call so-and-so mention my name and I always confirm it, just confirming, I'll let him know of our relationship. And then, and then when you reach out to that executive, you and I have a common friend and so-and-so and he suggested I reach out to you and boom, you're in because That's you borrow. Exactly right. Yeah. And yeah, isn't that beautiful when they're willing to, again, align their reputation with yours and promote you as if they would hire you themselves. So right. that's important. That's important. If they have hired you before, it means a lot to say, I'm so happy with this person's work that I would refer him to someone else. Right. I love the idea that we're thinking about what we're doing in professional services sales And it's the client conversations. It's those conversations. So our goal is to earn the trust so that they would take action such as referring us to other people. And that's pretty deep, Susan. I've never heard any trainer or speaker in the industry really articulate it as such. I think that's brilliant. Thank you. I think that some of the things I notice about people I work with is they're busy, so busy trying to solve the client's need, problem, challenge, concern that they fail to recognize the absolute, I don't even know, the ultimate, the pinnacle, is really when you can help that client solve their customer's need. Then they, you mm. get the halo effect, you get this client, and you help them look good to their customer base. You're taking it to a whole new level. Exactly, exactly. Oh, it's Once, like, how deep does this rabbit hole go, you know? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful place to be. The rabbit hole is much better than the foxhole. So That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I've never conceptualized it that way. I think that's just an exciting thing for people like me that are kind of crusty and have been doing this for a while. And 
and, and we're on the cusp of nobody ever wants to talk to me again. You know, I'm cranky. I've been doing this forever. I can't learn anything. <laughs> Scott, and, you are nowhere near curmudgeon status. <laughs> nowhere, nowhere near that. I want to say something about you personally, because I've seen you in action professionally and personally with friends. But I want to say something that you're so good at doing. And I think you're great at it, not because it's a put on or something you've learned or practiced. It's inherent in who you are. You are so great at establishing rapport, developing empathy, and being a really good listener. Well, thank you. Thank you. I don't know yeah. how I I developed those skills. You know, I, I really don't know how I did it. I think I think a lot of it's intuitive. This is one thing I've I've learned. It's kind of funny because my son, you know, my son, he's a model. He's nineteen, and yeah, we're talking about developing a brand, and he's been doing it for about four or five years. And he told me the other day he mentioned something casually. I don't have to do that anymore because I'm established. And I remember when he was first starting out. We're talking about building confidence. And he's always been a confident kid. And I told him, I said, act as if you're a big deal. Don't think like you're better than other people. When you act as if you're a big deal, people will look at you like you're a big deal. Then they'll look at you like you're a big deal. You're looking at how they're looking at you. And you're like, well, they think I'm a big deal. I must be a big deal. And you kind of grow into that. I think for a lot of us, we have to kind of pretend that we're successful and we have to act as if, and then we develop the chops for it. We build confidence. We build our strength. And then we don't have to care what other people think because it's all about the client. You know, it's almost like you have to kind of borrow that confidence from somewhere. What, what do you think about that? Well, I think for me, I'm well beyond that. But I agree that that's great advice for someone your son's age. Right. And the way that I put that same message with different wording is own your story and create your own mm. reality. So those people who are positive and use positive messaging and behaviors, and when they communicate in a positive way, not just the words, but their body language with smiling, their facial expressions, they release dopamine not only in their brains, but in the brains of others who are with them in a meeting or in, you know, at a party. And people want to feel good. So yeah. like you've heard before, people will never remember what you told them, but they will remember how you made them feel. Absolutely right. So when you create a positive uh, aura, if you will, you attract positivity into your life. And so I say, own your story and create your own reality and let the rest fall away. We all live in fear at some point in our careers and certainly throughout our lives at some points in our life. But if you just stop and get off that shirako or that mind, what do they call it? In Buddhism, they call it monkey mind. You're right. thinking too much, overthinking. Get off of that and just take a deep breath and imagine you are where you truly want to be. And I think that's what you're saying. Well, that's, that's interesting. That reminds me of this video I saw on YouTube. It was, I can't remember what it was that I Googled, but it was a video on building confidence and trust. And they used George Clooney as an example. And they talked about how comfortable he was when he's in front of an audience, how he kind of relaxes, he kind of slouches a little bit to the right. He's got this very casual smile. And I remember that was impacting to me because it showed that he's comfortable with himself. If he's comfortable yeah. with himself, other people are going to be comfortable around themselves and they're going to like him. So let me ask you this, Susan. I know we've got a few minutes left here. You've got a wealth of knowledge. You've got a wealth of information. Tell me a little bit about the work that you do. And then I wanted to kind of summarize into the three action steps here at the end. But what are the offerings? If somebody wants to reach out to you, we'll certainly put your link 
and your contact information on the show notes, but what's kind of the menu of offerings that you have as a consultant, speaker, and trainer? Super nice that you asked that question. So um, people think I have shift gears, but what I've done is add to my repertoire of offerings. My focus now, or, or at least for the past two years, has been taking a really good look at sexism. I am also, I have a program now called Aim for Equality. I have two police officers, a PhD and a professional Emmy award-winning PR strategist on my team. We are taking a really good look at racism. So we have programs that address sexism and programs that address racism. And also what I offer in keeping with my past in business development and marketing and so forth, sales best practices. I offer these shorter programs. They're like one hour sessions that are interactive. And now, of course, they're virtual because we are in this age of coronavirus. But I have several that would appeal to your audience. Things like we discussed today, client conversations that grow your business and theirs. That's what I mean by don't just focus on the client relationship with you. Focus on how you can help that client help their own customers. You know, being remembered for the right reasons or when networking is not working. And I have a lot of management tools and tips and tricks that I teach as well, like keeping up the morale while still focusing on the business, Mm -hmm. uh, learning and growing and building culture. So those are the areas I still focus, obviously, on marketing and business development, which has been, I think, 22 years now of doing that. But I have added the elements of uh, racism and sexism because I think those conversations, especially by the privileged, those of us who don't recognize how privileged we are, especially by these people, these conversations need to be had. And I do it in a gentle, kind, loving way. And when white men over 50 come to me after my sessions and say, wow, you really opened my eyes rather than threw me under the bus. Like I, I was afraid <laughs> to come to, <laughs> right, I was right. afraid to come to this session. I think most of my white male friends are so afraid to speak up right now because, you know, there's been a history of bad behavior. And I attribute a lot of that to what we call muted group theory. So if you're listening, mm-hmm. Google that when we are done. But we talk about various communication theories which explain why we are where we are. But then I give tools, tips, and tactics on how to get us where we need to be. Well, I think that's great, Susan. I think you're doing a lot of good in the world. And I know just from working with you firsthand, you've got a big heart. You've got a lot of content and a lot of, a lot of wisdom, I think, that can benefit companies and professional services firms today. So let me kind of wrap it up here. What are some action steps you'd like to share with the audience to kind of integrate some of the things that you talked about today? Sure. Let's talk about how we can differentiate ourselves from the competition. Mm -hmm. Now, once I share this, everyone's going to know this and it's no longer a differentiator, right? (laughs) (laughs) We'll stop the recording right now. (laughs) (laughs) There's the teaser. Call me if you want the answer. Oh, I see. Good, good. (laughs) One thing I will say before we go is never, ever sell in the traditional way that we think of selling. This Once you have a transaction, let's say I'm selling something to Scott, Scott buys that something from me. We have closed the loop. That Mm -hmm. leaves for no opportunity to continue this relationship. So I believe in storytelling backed by data. Mm -hmm. And when you do that with the impetus on yourself to solve the client's problem in the face of their customers, then you create something that keeps on giving. Okay, good. 
I like that. Never sell, only tell. (laughs) Any other action steps you'd like to share with people today? Sure. If we have time, one that I feel is very important is remember that people will buy from you when they know who you are and what you stand for, not just your tagline or what you're selling. You see what I'm saying? So be authentic because you want to know who you're dealing with. Again, people won't remember what you told them. They'll remember how you made them feel. I love that. That's great. Well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll put all of your information on the show notes and I'm sure we'll have you back on another episode here real soon. Thank you, Susan. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.